Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galant Says Podcast, available exclusively live on Twitch. That's the only place that you can interact with the show as it takes place, but you can also subscribe to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review, follow, whatever you need to do on whatever app you are consuming this bad boy. Please do it. It is Tuesday, May 3rd of 2022. And I want to start by praising a billionaire. <laughs> no, not Elon Musk. And no, not my own personal favorite, a guy from a television show called Succession that I feel like you should be watching if you haven't already. You're missing out. One Logan Roy, who has really started a movement, a movement to use this phrase right here. Fuck off. 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 Fuck. We need more. Off. More of that. Fuck off. Fuck off. More fuck off. And that's exactly what Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York Mets, told to one Robinson Cano. Yesterday, we saw baseball rosters reduced from 28 to 26. And Robinson Cano, who was once one of baseball's best players, but has recently been popped a couple of times for PED usage and suspended for almost entire seasons, if not entire seasons. With $45 million left on his contract, Steve Cohen decided to clip him. The story reads, Cano was cut with nearly $45 million remaining on his contract, possibly signaling the end of his decorated major league career. The veteran slugger wants to keep playing ball, but it'll have to catch on elsewhere. A slumping Cano was designated for assignment in a move announced about an hour before teams were required to trim their active rosters from 28 players to 26. Relegated to a part-time role this season, Cano was a casualty of the crunch as the first-place Mets choose to keep younger, more versatile bench players instead. The 39-year-old Cano, who sat out last season while serving his second suspension for performance-enhancing drugs, which, by the way, I don't really care about, is batting 195, 8 for 41 with one home run, three runs batted in, and a 501 OPS and 43 plate appearances, which is bad. He homered to the opposite field with a vintage swing, writes this article, in the home opener April 15th against Arizona, but had appeared in just 12 of 23 games, starting six at second base, five at designated hitter. But $45 million left on his contract that's a ton and it's surprising that any sports owner no matter how rich they are would be willing to just say yep we fucked up here let's eat the costs let's get the guy out it's one of the things that actually makes college sports a little bit better than professional the programs that have fuck you money like alabama texas if things aren't going so well, they can actually buy somebody's contract out outright. Specifically, we're talking about coaches and feed them to the wolves. Now, sometimes some of these schools are perhaps a little bit too aggressive when it comes to making decisions like this. Perhaps they should be a little more patient. But I like that about college sports. Collectively, the boosters will come together to kill somebody, essentially, if they need to. But why don't sports owners do this more? And I'm not saying that most sports owners aren't willing to do this, but there's 
clearly a line where some owners who have that kind of money and actually are competitive are willing to eat costs and say, you know what? We fucked up here. We'll move on. And others don't. Sicarius 23 says first place Mets is a sentence that doesn't sit well with my Yankees heart. I'll fuck off (laughs) to quote Logan Roy. You're fine. Haven't you guys won 10 in a row? Don't you have the best record in the major leagues? Jesus. You guys used to not care. You guys used to not care about anybody else. Now you're like, oh, the Mets are doing well. Insecure much? Come on. Come on, Sicarius 23. Anyway, I, I like that Steve Cohen had the balls to do this. To DFI a guy with $45 million left on his contract. And it has me thinking about one of the most iconic moments in television history. Sicarius 23 says, no, you fuck off. <laughs> Anyone remember a television show by the name of Any Given Wednesday? Probably don't because it didn't, didn't last very long. I don't actually think I watched an episode, but it was an HBO television show starring now of The Ringer, Bill Simmons. And there was a line in the promo trailer that he did that sounded like this. Finally, I believe that billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadiums. Damn, bro, you got him. Wow, what a populist take by common man Bill Simmons, who lives in a mansion in Los Angeles. But I'll be honest, I love Bill Simmons because I grew up listening to his podcast and reading his column and being a Boston sports fan myself. Yeah, I always liked Bill. But, you know, we all lose our fastball. And Sakari 23 says he's not wrong. I totally agree. And that's what we're about to dive into. So for those who haven't been paying attention in the NFL, you've seen over the last couple of weeks a couple of stadiums that are being built eventually in two different locations that are largely being publicly financed. Let's take a look at the city of Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills are going to be putting $600 million of public funding towards a new stadium. We also saw that I think the Tennessee Titans about a week ago approved of a $500 million public fund to build them a new stadium. We're talking about ownership groups of National Football League teams, the most popular, richest sports league in the United States of America. And these billionaires have the balls to actually beg the state for public funding, saying shit like, Well, we'll create jobs. Like part-time jobs at a stadium are the kind of jobs that are going to keep a person working for a while. I suppose stadium construction is helpful to a community or something like that. And you can build restaurants and things around a stadium. Okay, great. But it's highly overstated. The amount of money that's going to be built in. And it's what politicians... And those who are trying to lobby the politicians, these owners, will say to try and make the state, instead of them, pay for it. And most people say, that's bullshit. Sicarius 23 says, didn't Arlington get screwed out of a ton of tax revenue with the new Ranger Stadium? I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure they fucking did. Because that's the way it works. You don't get to vote on this stuff. 63% 
according to a poll put together by Siena College, which is a place located in Albany, New York. That's East New York, close to where Massachusetts, Vermont, and New York all meet together in this little um, one little spot. 63% of New York voters disapprove of the state putting $600 million in funding towards a new Buffalo Bills stadium. So, okay, this poll took place in eastern New York. I would imagine there are more Giants, more Jets fans in that area than Bills fans. But it's coming from the entire funding of the whole state, which also includes New York City, which makes New York State a very weird state. It's a massive state where the majority of the population is in the southeastern corner of it. The rest of it spreads all over the place, is more of a dying Rust Belt kind of area. I would know because I went to college in one of those little towns, Syracuse University which is a town, I want to say the surrounding area is about 150,000 plus people or so. Less than one in four people, though, in New York support this proposal. And it's funny because this never went to a vote, but if it went to a vote, would actually anyone have been able to stand in the way of these beggar billionaires getting what they need? Oh, poor us. My little son won't be able to afford a Bentley unless I get public funding from some person that's working a nine to five or some person who's working a double shift. I need that tax money because I, the owner of an NFL team who is getting tons of money and shared revenue every single year, need a newer version of a stadium that will largely be the exact same viewing experience for anybody who goes. Because for anyone who goes to an NFL game, NFL games are not worth the fucking price of admission. I would know this given that I've gone to a ton of games sitting in a press box, a little bit of a different experience, but growing up a Patriots fan, I think that my dad and I went to like 60 plus games and I'm thankful that we went to those games together. We had a whole lot of fun and we had a great group of people that were sitting near us that we tailgated with and stuff. But if you're just going to the game and you're not tailgating before and you're not hanging out with the people that are nearby you and you don't feel a sense of community or something like that, it's not a fucking fun experience. You're going to pay a ton of money to park. You're going to pay a ton of money to eat in the stadium. You're going to have to get there really early so that you can get in the stadium, so parked through all the traffic and to get through all the security to get to your actual seats. And then when you leave, it's going to take you a long fucking time to get out too. It's not fun to go to a game. It's paying more money for a stadium is not going to make the entertainment value any better. If you're sitting up in the high level seats it's going to be very difficult for you to watch and you may as well watch the game at home if you're sitting up close it's probably going to be hard for you to watch as well there's not really a great vantage point anywhere on a football field for you to see every little bit this isn't basketball this isn't hockey or anything like that football's a fun sport to watch live if you're going to watch a college football game but a national football league game no it's not so as far as actual experiences i speaking for myself i don't think that it's actually worth it this kind of investment Insta Karma says, uh, teams bring in a lot of revenue around the city. Sure, they fucking do. I get all that. But that's the kind of shit that these people say so that they can get public financing when they probably would have if they wanted the funds to pull out a loan and build one of these things. They could do it on their own, right? But they don't want to. They know that they can just say, hey, we'll leave if you don't do this, as opposed to taking it out of their own wallet. And I have no respect for these people that are like, I need public funding. You need a fucking handout? You, the person who is coming from the group of people that don't believe in handouts, the people who don't believe in uh, government bureaucracy, 
getting in the way of capitalism. You motherfuckers are going to be hypocrites for this. Oh, so you're just like everyone. You're full of shit hypocrites. Got it. Sicarius 23 says a lot of teams get tax breaks from the city. Which is kind of funny because also <laughs> these teams are fucking over taxpayers. And this reminds me of a moment early in, earlier in my radio career. So when I was working at Sports Radio 610 in Houston, I used to do a show called Golan at Night by myself. And I remembered seeing some story about how Ed Emmett, who despite a vote in 2013 against renovating the Astrodome and essentially a vote that would supposedly just lead to it being demolished, Ed Emmett, a Harris County judge, for whatever fucking reason, felt the need to keep the Astrodome alive, even though it is an ugly, genital wart-looking piece of shit next to the NRG Stadium. It's a piece of shit now. You can't tell me otherwise. You might have had great memories in it growing up, but, I mean, isn't this akin to, if you've watched the television show The Great, isn't this akin to having your dead mother in a visible casket with you at all times. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like a dead relative's body. You decided instead of, um, taking it to a, uh, a taxidermist, which is fucked up by the way, right? Like dead human being taking them to a taxidermist so that they could be around you all the time. You're just like leaving a dead body around you. Like it's psycho. It's Norman Bates mom sitting in the rocking chair in the basement. Like, that's what the Astrodome is next to NRG Stadium. It's a disgusting, decrepit piece of shit. Rat kingdom, overrun by bats, overrun by cats. Sicarius 23 says, it's an eyesore. No, yeah, it's ugly. And it's right next to NRG Stadium, which, look, <laughs> it's getting up there in age, hopefully. That's not something that Cal McNair decides to take a look at a little bit further anytime soon. But I remember talking about how Judge Ed Emmett had made a proposal for $110 million where uh, I think of that funding, what was it? Uh, most of it was going to come from property taxes. The exact specifics, I forget. But essentially, it would refurbish the Astrodome to create 1,400 parking spaces and would also, above the world's most expensive historic parking lot, you could have festivals. It's nuts. I mean, think about this. You got this big stadium already, and you have all of the things that are used for the Houston Rodeo around it. And you want to, instead of funding those things around it that are newer, you want to fix a stadium that hasn't had anything inside of it for essentially 20 years outside of, like, hurricane refugees. But that's what Emmett wanted to do. And I remember one night on the radio, I said... This guy's a boob. Like, think about this. He, he's just obsessed with this idea of turning the Astrodome into something else. And we used to always get these crazy texting ideas about, like, what you could turn the Astrodome into. Let's turn the Astrodome into a giant uh, a skate park. Yeah. Hey, let's turn the Astrodome into a hotel, man. Yeah, that'll, that'll work out. Like, all these ideas to turn it into something. But then when the bill is brought up, no one actually wanted to pay it. So Ed Emmett wants to turn it into something that no one would ever host fucking events in. Why would you want to do it in that? It looks ugly. There's no light that goes into it. 
It's going to be turned into a former stadium turned parking lot. You want a historic parking lot? So I called him a boob on the air. 10 minutes later, he actually called into the show. And I got to admit, Ed Emmett was actually pretty gracious considering I just called him a boob. But he still remained married to his boobular take that, hey, I need to have $105 million to build this parking garage slash event center that had been voted against already. But fast forward after I had had that take, to February 13th of 2018, the Harris County Commissioner's Court voted unanimously to move forward with a plan to renovate the Astrodome into a revenue-generating event and convention space. $105 million. Which, by the way, was taking money away from possible investment in local flood control in the wake of, I don't know, a fucking hurricane, Hurricane Harvey, which took place in 2017. $105 million. Don't you think you could have used that? Why not? Especially when, again, you calculated that destroying this thing would cost about $29 million. And also, when you just think about how every single year, I mean, you have to upkeep it. The Astrodome, which is just sitting there, costs close to $170,000 a year to maintain per the county budget. And it's, there's nothing fucking happening to it. Sicarius23 brings up a good point in the Twitch chat. Twitch.tv slash Galan says $105 million. We, we put this money, this arbitrary number out. $105 million. No construction project ever costs what it is initially said to cost. Think about all the shit you got to clean out first before you decide to turn it into a parking lot slash event center. And the event center side of things would probably make this thing cost close to half a billion dollars. So how the fuck are you going to do this? And they turned it into a landmark. So this can't be demolished anymore. I remember this took place in 2016. Or 2017. January of 2017, the Astrodome was designated a state antiquities landmark. So it has special protections against demolition. So you can't demolish this fucking thing anymore. It's just sitting there like a dried up carcass right next to NRG Stadium. And the funny thing is... That plan, there has been zero progress made on it. And this is an article from 2020 on December 31st. Astrodome renovation plan without funding or Lena Hidalgo's support is all but dead. Good, right? Good. Where a third of that's coming from property taxes for $105 million, but it's obviously going to be more than that. Good. So I, I, I just wonder, how do we stop these beggar billionaires from completely circumventing democracy, what local voters want. How the fuck do we get local politicians to actually say to these people, whether it's Judge Ed Emmett or it's who's got this monomania with saving a fucking old genital wart or it's um, an NFL owner who feels like I need public financing to build a new stadium as opposed to taking out a loan myself and building it myself. How the fuck do we get the local politicians here to actually have some balls and say, no, this is fucking ridiculous. How do we get that to happen? Because voting doesn't do shit, clearly. You can vote against something that involves paying extra money and they will find a way, as Ed Emmett did, to make sure that you will not be able to let this go away to let this die 
By turning the Astrodome into a landmark, that fucking thing's just going to sit around wasting everybody $170,000 a year before someone actually decides to do something with it. What would Marty Bird do, asks Instant Karma 206. I think he would look the other way while he's getting fucked, because that's what he did with his wife, Wendy. Uh, Sicarius 23, uh, can't billionaires donate to the millionaire politicians? Oh, yeah, forgot about that. Well, that fucking sucks. So let's just shift on into another topic, huh? How about that? Um, I saw this video tweeted out by my co-host on Vanessa and Gallant, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Um, earlier this afternoon. It's from Ryan Tannehill's press conference, which must have been a little awkward, seeing as the Titans drafted a quarterback in the third round that was thought to be a first-round pick, but maybe not the end of the world, right? I mean, it's a third-round pick quarterback. So there's not necessarily an expectation that Malik Willis, who the Titans drafted out of Liberty, is going to supplant Ryan Tannehill this year. I think it's good to give him competition, but I don't think that Willis will play at all in the 2022 NFL season. It's all going to be on Ryan Tannehill. So Ryan Tannehill was asked a question about whether or not he would be a mentor for one Malik Willis. Here's what he had to say. In a quarterback room in the same room, you know, we're, we're competing against each Start other. Start that again. In a quarterback room in the same room, you know, we're, we're competing against each other. We're, uh, you know, watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but, uh, you know, if he learns, learns from me along the way, then, um, then that's a great thing. Okay. A couple of things to dissect here. First off, let's just highlight what the aggregation quote that will be on every single website going forward for the next 24 to 48 hours. It's Ryan Tannehill in the middle of this saying, uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but I don't think it's my job to mentor him. He's right. It's not his job to mentor him. His job is to be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. And I think anyone who has a problem with him saying that doesn't understand how competitive the NFL is. You are obligated to no one else in that league but yourself. Yes, there's an idea of team and sucking it up and playing for the sake of your team. And I'm sure that Ryan Tannehill actually wants to do that. But he is not obligated to help a fucking third-string rookie quarterback learn how to play in the NFL. He's not. So I'll actually stand with Ryan Tannehill here, even though I am not a Ryan Tannehill fan. Not just because I don't think he's that good of a player, but also because of another story that we'll get to in a moment. I do think it's kind of funny that he says, well, maybe Malik Willis can learn from watching me. I don't know how much he's actually going to learn, but he is right. Like that's the only obligation that Ryan Tannehill has is to do the best job that he possibly can. If Malik Willis decides to ask for help, great. And it would be good of Ryan Tannehill to give Willis help when necessary. I can understand why he might be a little bit petty. He might be like Brett Favre was with Aaron Rodgers or like Aaron Rodgers supposedly has been with Jordan Love, I would get that entirely, and I wouldn't even really hold it against him. But I do think that someone really confident in themselves would say, eh, fuck it. If he's asking me for some help, I'll give him some help. But it's funny that we're going to highlight that quote, and I, I know Vanessa tweeted that out. It's not the best look. 
I, I don't think it's a bad look. I really don't. I feel like for Ryan Tannehill, his number one responsibility is to win football games. And does Malik Willis help the Titans win football games in 2022? Doubtful. He's a backup quarterback. If Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, then yeah, okay, you would want Malik Willis to be as ready to go as possible, but that is not on Ryan Tannehill to teach him. Tannehill's responsible for himself. Malik Willis is responsible for himself. And if Malik Willis is as he has been described by so many people, a very thoughtful, caring person, I'm sure that Malik Willis will probably realize, you know what? This is Tannehill's job. I would like to have this job eventually. I'm going to respectfully pick his brain as much as I can in a way that doesn't drive him crazy. I'm going to be responsible for myself, and I will hope that things work in a way that eventually sees me as the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. But I, I, I don't think we should be lambasting Ryan Tannehill for this. We should be lambasting Ryan Tannehill for a story that I'm not sure many of you are aware of. And it comes from our guy, Aaron Wilson of the Pro Football Network when he was there back in 2015. This was after the Dolphins had lost to the Jets and Joe Philbin had been fired by the Miami Dolphins. It was an extremely tense week in London, wrote Aaron Wilson. Frustrations had been mounting for weeks and escalated Saturday during practice prior to the game between the Dolphins and Jets. Philbin has been struggling on how to handle his franchise quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who had been getting rattled even in practice sessions. On Saturday during practice, Tannehill, after a couple of practice squad players forced turnovers, made negative comments toward them, including saying, enjoy your practice squad paycheck, enjoy your practice squad trophy. That's an asshole-ish thing to say. You get picked off, you can say, fuck off. You're going to go that much further. Those guys are trying to help you get better. Those guys are trying to help your defense get better too. The article from Aaron Wilson continues, sources say this has been going on for the past few weeks as the practice squad players have been intercepting Tannehill and frustrating the former Texas A&M wide receiver turned quarterback. The frustration for Tannehill stemmed from the entire situation as well as the Dolphins haven't won a game since the season opener. Tannehill is an extremely competitive person and the struggles of the offense have angered him significantly. Philbin told the practice squad players to take it easy on Tannehill to not affect the young quarterback's confidence. However, that didn't prove to be an effective strategy. That is hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. And it's something I will always hold against Ryan Tannehill. But if you're going to come after Ryan Tannehill for those comments that he made about, about Malik Willis, I feel like that is a much better thing to say about a guy seven years later. I'm not expecting Ryan Tannehill to help Malik Willis out. Malik Willis shouldn't expect it either, and the Titans shouldn't either. It's a competition, and you're hoping that competition is actually going to get the best out of Tannehill. It's going to get the best out of Malik Willis, too. There is a no-lose scenario in bringing in someone like Malik Willis behind Ryan Tannehill. But again, expecting the guy to basically be his teacher, his babysitter. I, I feel like if you're going to criticize Tannehill for that, you're being unfair. Look at me, defending Ryan Tannehill. One last segment before we hit the road. I've always wondered what the fuck the Met Gala is. The Met Gala or Met Ball formerly caused the Costume Institute Gala or the Costume Institute Benefit is an annual fundraising gala held for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Art's Costume Institute in New York City. It is popularly regarded as the world's most prestigious fashion event and an invitation is highly sought after. Ooh. Celebrities from various fields such as fashion, film, Television, music, sports, and social media. Jesus, that's 
Well, that sucks. That last part's happening. I'm sure a bunch of little TikTok assholes got invited, are generally invited to the gala organized by American fashion magazine Vogue. Oh, wow. Uh, Instant Karma 206, by the way, says, looks like your Astros year again in the AL West. Come on, you lost one game. You won the previous series. And in last night's game, I mean, yeah, the Astros probably could have won by a lot more, but I... I I, I don't know if I would be concerned about the Mariners after after one game. There's plenty of games left, which I will be going to some in, in, in late July. But anyway, uh, Met Gala is something that we see celebrities at. We see athletes at. So I don't know. Let's, let's take a look at what some of these people had to wear. First off, the athletes. I found a slideshow of athletes who went to the Met Gala. Here is uh, Venus Williams. Always a head turner. Tennis star Williams stunned in a custom Chloe tux. Eh, I don't think you get the, the 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 Met guidelines here. Like you're trying to stand out, right? Why, you're wearing a tux. You get a business meeting afterwards. F. Chloe Kim, the Olympic snowboarding star, showcased her feminine side in a feathered Giambattista Valley gown. I don't know. I I, I feel like. For a, a snowboarder, it doesn't seem wieldy. I don't think you would be able to do like a 1080 triple X slongle bongle or whatever the fuck the, that is. So uh, I'm going to give this an F as well. Uh, Dwayne Wade. Yes, technically he's retired, but Wade with his wife, Gabrielle Union Sup, helped represent the NBA on Monday night and represented keeping up with your workouts too. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I like this look. He's got a, he's got a pimp cane. He's wearing a jacket with no shirt. I'll give this an F. Just kidding. That actually was an A. Uh, Russell Westbrook. He looks like, um, <laughs> he looks like the, the villain for the last season of Peaky Blinders. Here he is wearing a top hat and a suit and a fucking dress. Okay, nice look. Uh, Emily says, the Met Gala has a theme every year. The attendees can dress to the theme or not. Uh, and the theme was Gilded Age. The fuck is the Gilded Age? I'm going to have to look this up. Gilded Age. In United States history, the Gilded Age was an era extending roughly from 1870 to 1900. Well, I don't think that anyone in uh, the 1870s was wearing a top hat with a dress unless they were in Scotland. But uh, yeah, um, not feeling it. Russell Westbrook F. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki and David Lee. David Lee looks normal here, but it's too boring. Uh, so I'm going to give him an F. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki... I I'm going to give that an F2. What's going on with the hair? Uh, Nigel Huston. I'm going to give the people slideshow an F because I don't know who the fuck that is. I guess he's an Olympic skateboarder. Cool. He doesn't know who I am. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, chest tattoos. That's neat. And then Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, what the fuck? He looks like uh, a, a mage in Skyrim wearing sweatpants. Uh, I'm going to give this an F as well. But I do like the emerald green color. Uh, what else? Uh, this person, I don't know who the fuck she is, but she's wearing like, what is this? She's wearing like a bunch of donuts and red leather. Okay. That's cool. Uh, there's Pete Davidson, uh, uh, Billy eyelash, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um, there's, uh, Pylee Jenner. There's, um, uh, Oh, Oh, there's, there's, Gal McGal pants and there's Broad McBroad and there's somebody else. Okay, I don't give a fuck anymore. Emily says it's fashion, Paul. Jeez. Well, I'm a fashionista and they all are fucking trash except for me. Not really, though. 
Yeah, I don't get it. I just don't. Continuing to scroll through it. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. One last thing before we hit the road. It says here, Alessandro Michelle and Jared Leto in matching Gucci. Does Gucci do beards now? Does Gucci do beards? Sicarius23 says Megan the Stallion is a Houston legend. Yeah, I don't know what Sicar- of what, what Megan the Stallion looks like. I don't. <laughs> I probably should. And I always confuse her with Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. More so with Cardi B. I don't know who does what. I don't care. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm just not as cultured as I need to be. But Gucci does a beard now. Sicarius23 says you just looked at her. I, 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 I let's go. Let's scroll up. Okay, that's Megan Thee Stallion. She opted for a golden gown with sculpted feather-like shoulders by Moschino and attended the event alongside the brand's creative director, Jeremy Scott. Do we want to keep going through this? I don't even know what to say. What the fuck is this? What is going on here? A typical New Yorker, uncultured. Hey, Sicarius23, I'm not from New York. Thank you. Uh, Frederick Robertson, who the fuck is that? Uh, let's keep going. Ooh, look. Stormzy. That's classic Stormzy. That's what I expect when I see Stormzy in a pristine white caped look. Uh, what else we got? We all else we got. What else we got? Okay. Yeah, I'm done with this shit. I went to college there. Sicarius 23. Anyway, thank you for joining me for this edition of the Galant Says Podcast. It is available wherever you get your podcasts. You probably want to watch this. Twitch.tv slash Galant Says. If you want to see my just terrible, terrible takes on the Met Gala. Um, also, if you haven't already, um, subscribe to the Galant Says Podcast on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galant Says, but also Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc., etc., etc. Thank you so much for tuning in. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday. We'll be back at it tomorrow afternoon. Peace.